Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, it's me, Sam Baker. And before we go on with the show, I want to tell you about an exciting new initiative coming from The Shift. Many of you have asked how you can support the podcast further and get more Shift into the bargain. Well, now you have the opportunity to do just that by joining The Shift community. You can go to steady.media forward slash The Shift and become a member of The Shift. In return for supporting the podcast, you'll receive exclusive weekly newsletters, community membership, and plenty of other perks aimed at bringing us all closer together. That's steady.media forward slash the shift. Hello and welcome to The Shift, the podcast that aims to tell the no-holds-barred truth about being a woman post-40. Created and hosted by me, writer and broadcaster Sam Baker. I've lost count of the number of women I've spoken to who were taken totally by surprise by perimenopause. But to date, none of them actually had medical training. Today's guest changes all that. Before she's an award-winning writer, Christy Watson was a nurse. She spent 20 years on children's intensive care before her debut won the Costa First Novel Award and altered the trajectory of her life. Since then, Christy has written two best-selling nursing memoirs, including the wonderful The Language of Kindness and a second novel. Then, at the age of 42, perimenopause totally floored her. A single mum of two teenagers, she suddenly found herself a blubbering, snot-crying wreck in Sainsbury's car park, a stranger inside and out. Sound familiar? And it was like losing my mind through losing my sense of self. And I just felt totally unprepared. I met Christy in a no-man's land opposite the American embassy, as you do, to talk being blindsided by menopause, grey pubic hair, biblical bleeding and the impact of unresolved trauma. We also discussed being single in midlife and why nobody really has their shit together. Oh, and an unexpected use for frozen fish fingers. Christy, welcome to The Shift. I'm so happy to have you on and really, really happy to hear you're a fan. And I'm a massive fan. I loved the Language of Kindness. thought I'm going to get that title wrong and really embarrass myself <laughs> right up front. And I really loved Quilt on Fire because... It did what I try to do with a shift, but I have to say a lot better. I think so many women who are in that kind of stage, early 40s thinking, I feel a bit shit, I feel like I'm not me anymore, but I'm way too young for it to be menopause, are going to read it and go, oh... Somebody just turned a big light bulb on. Mm. So congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. And I I am a huge fan of the book, The Shift, and the podcast, The Shift. So I'm delighted to be with you and super excited to get into it. (laughs) Tell me about The Fish Finger Freezer. Well... (laughs) I mean, the book is full of shame, as as am I. The Fish Finger was the beginning, really, where I found myself sitting outside Sainsbury's just feeling totally dissociated and lost. And I thought I was having a spectacular breakdown, actually. I was just outside my own skin, my own body, my sense of self, and I was just watching everybody, and I just felt completely invisible and boiling, boiling hot. But no thoughts of menopause or perimenopause were going through my mind at all. I just thought, I'm losing my shit in a spectacular fashion. And you were, what, 42 then? 42, yeah. And, a um, child, a whippersnapper. <laughs> yeah, I ended up sort of 
going into Sainsbury's and also having that feeling of watching other women who were doing it much better. You know, they had their tick boxes and they were putting healthy food in their trolleys and they had their meals planned. And I was just chucking in random stuff and just thinking, oh, I can't even just cope with a simple thing like being in Sainsbury's. And eventually I was so boiling, sweating, all felt dreadful that I just climbed into the fish finger freezer. It was something instinctive. (laughs) And even then didn't think, okay, this is... Uh, very abnormal behaviour it just felt like a moment of reprieve from my life and I remember just standing there and just feeling totally invisible in a freezer and nobody even looking nobody going no. why has that woman got her head in the fish finger freezer no my whole body I mean I was in it was it a stand up one or a lie yeah, down one yeah stand up freezer I mean lie down like. would have been even more dramatic <laughs> yeah. but I just had visions of you climbing <laughs> over saying to me security yeah but that that's the moment that I, I knew I had to get help and I managed to find people that helped me but I kept bringing up you know I've just been in fish finger freezer this is not normal this is not right I can't carry on this is not good so that was the catalyst I think for the book and for my perimenopause do you know what I so identified with that because I used to have cans of diet coke in the fridge Mm. at work and with hindsight I should have had iron brew or something something nobody else wanted to drink because I would have my stash of cans of diet coke not to drink but to shove up my jumper in meetings because I would just get so hot and I'd go to the fridge some fucker would have needed it. Oh, no. And now I can see, well, obviously you just would need a drink that nobody wants to drink. Yeah. I mean, I've spoken to people who've had, like, frozen peas. And, wow. Yeah. And when you... I mean, let's let's just go straight there. At one point you talk about having a vulva the size of Brazil. Yes. Which I think anybody who's ever had that is going to go, I know exactly what you mean. And the answer to that is frozen peas. But not mm. if you're out and about, obviously. And obviously still in the bag. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm just imagining all sorts of scenarios. No. No, A&E keep them in the bag. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was really weird. I mean, that whole section when I'm talking about, and I'm sure it must be it, it's going to be a headline, isn't it? Christy Watson's vagina is the size of Brazil. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping it's not a headline, but that's how it felt. I just felt so out of sorts in every part of my body, not just my vulva, but every single aspect of my body. My feet grew a full size bigger. I know, that's amazing. It's incredible. My eyes were so dry. My gums were bleeding. My hair was falling out. I think for me, the neurological symptoms were the worst bit. Yes. And those were the things I didn't expect. And it was like losing my mind through losing my sense of self. And I just felt totally unprepared. Oh, God, there's so many different directions we could go now. And I think that that loss of sense of self, like for me and for most women I've spoken to, it's the worst bit. But I wonder if it's the worst bit because it's the thing you really, really don't know. It's like, yeah, you know about the hot flushes, but then even when you start getting them, you kind of think, oh, no, it can't be that. The physical symptoms are much more talked about and written about. But, I mean, I think you said in the fish finger bit, I've no idea how I'm feeling. And, and I really felt like I just didn't even know who I was. Mm. Before we started recording, you said like you felt like you were having a breakdown. And I think I did believe I was having a breakdown. I didn't know that I was going through perimenopause. But, Christy, you're in nurse. Yeah. I know you worked with children in intensive care, so gynae wasn't exactly your specialism, but Mm. if a nurse doesn't know, what the fuck hope is there for the rest of us? Yeah, and doctors are contacting me now who've sort of read early proofs and said, oh, I didn't realise I was perimenopausal, thank you so much. And so that that (gasps) says so much, doesn't it? And we have a big conversation going on, thanks to you and thanks to other sort of pioneers of talking about this, but still people aren't really aware of those things. And I think it was that idea that oestrogen being a, a master neurological regulator that I didn't understand and I think there's something again so much deeper than the physical going on when we are going through this massive metamorphosis this huge transformation that actually is terrifying until you dig into it and then it can become really magical and so you can be in a state of terror or a state of awe depending on how much information you have and how much you understand of it and that for me felt like a really important reason for us all to keep talking about it Mm. and for things like this podcast to keep happening because it can be such a beautiful time I think Wait, how as well. old are you now so I'm 45 so in that three years and the journey of the book is the same and the journey of my book was the same as you start out absolutely desperate and by the end you're like hmm 
kind of get this. I think there's something really interesting going on. Interesting is the right word. It's much more interesting than the notion of just hot flushes or rage, which we all know about, or hopefully yeah. we know about. It's almost like when I started writing Quilt on Fire, you know, we're thinking about the cover, and the cover is actually a quilt, that we had a quilter in America make this quilt, oh, wow. which is so beautiful. But actually what's really beautiful is the underside of the quilt. It's the bit at the back where all the work's gone into it, and mm. the threads are coming apart and a bit undone and for me yes the front looks lovely but it's the back that's the interesting bit and that's the bit that I hope that we're getting to at midlife is understanding that we're all a bit broken open not necessarily broken but broken open and undone and nobody has their shit together not even those women in Sainsbury's I looked at had their meal planners they probably had their shit not together at all that's what I was going to say to you a few times you refer to like these polished women and I know exactly what you mean and it, exactly how you feel and like oh the cold water swimmers and all that and I, the cold water swimmers make me feel so bad I feel like oh I should be cold water swimming I live nearish the sea and I don't cold water <laughs> swim but actually when I really think about it I don't know any of those women my 40s were really shit and I don't think I got it together until my 50s but when you live your life a certain way because you kind of think you have to even if you know and I'm hoping that the Gen Z and that will all be much more together than us and better and different and all of that but I certainly felt like I and a lot of the women around me you're doing the thing that you're meant to do and you're agonizing about whether or not to have children if you can have children and all of that and then I found perimenopause like a compulsory reset it's like I didn't have any choice but to really look at like you say the underside of the quilt and look at where all the threads are hanging and where the potential holes are and kind kind of address that and maybe put myself back together in a slightly different way than maybe I was before. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's really beautiful. I'd love to say that I'm as far moved along as you are, Sam, but I'm not. Um, For example, I, you know, I can think very deeply and philosophically about finding meaning and spirituality and making sense of academic and intellectual arguments about this time of our life. And, you know, I've dug very deep to think about those things. But I'm also really shallow and superficial and vain at the same time Mm. and I think that's the beauty of it in a way is that we can be all things we don't need to be one thing or another thing we can be a cold water swimmer who still I don't know dances on the table on a night out and we can still be those women who are sort of multifaceted and able to do all the things and yeah but the thing about me being a nurse is very interesting and I think there must be so many nurses doctors medical professionals allied health professionals who are going through this and and don't realize because it's not something that it's kind of taught enough it is taught but it's not taught enough or spoken about enough and I think it's one of those things until it happens to you it's very behind glass you don't really understand or embody it or feel it and know the impact of how it's going to feel and some people swim through mm. cold swim through their menopause yeah. and their perimenopause <laughs> With I know one of those really expensive dry robe things as yeah well, I I, you yeah. know what I, I really want a dry robe um, don't want even though swimming. I don't want <laughs> don't go cold swimming I just know I'm going to sit there watching TV in a dry robe. Um, <laughs> do it. I will. Yeah, I will. But I do know women who seem to have sailed through this time of their lives and I'm very fascinated by that as well I think that speaks to unresolved trauma it speaks to Mm. obviously character in individual ways of coping but I think there's something much much bigger that we haven't quite got to in philosophy really about why that is why some women go off sex entirely for example and others become sex maniacs (laughs) speaking personally speaking personally Um, but you know why some women completely sail through this time of their lives and others have such a rocky period and of course there's a huge huge number of women that don't get through this time and end up very very sadly losing their lives to suicide and this is the peak age for it with women so it's so individual and yet it's a collective experience but individuals respond in so many different ways and I think that's fascinating yeah I think as people start to talk about menopause which is a really good thing you also start to see kind of a new sort of judgment come into the conversation so I think when two or three years ago before the shift came out but when I'd written it there was still a sense that HRT was shaped, but you were a bit of a 
traitor to the feminist cause if you went on HRT that you were messing with nature all of that it could be hard to get it all of that and then now this conversation shifted I feel like there's starting to be a well you must take HRT it's like well no why does it have to be one thing or the other why does everything about women's health have to be a judgment issue why can't it just be different women have a different experience and want to treat it a different way and it's kind of depressing yeah, it is depressing. And it's that word, treat it, like we need treating, yeah. isn't it? Um, and it's just so, I suppose, prejudiced against women. Women's health is such a minefield. What do you think about, there's a bit of an ongoing debate or a newish debate about reframing HRT in menopause and basically calling it estrogen deficiency, not or hormone deficiency, I can't remember the exact phrase. And when I first saw that debate, I thought, oh no, because then that's making it like menopause is like a wrong thing Mm. and has to be treated as opposed to it being a choice. What do you, as a kind of a healthcare professional, all being a different area, what do you think about that? I think it's complex and I can see why there would be an argument for it. However, it feels a bit ageist to me because we're talking about older women then as deficient in some way, particularly women of previous generations who didn't take HRT in the way that we are starting to. I think it's still only one in 10 women Mm. are taking HRT now. And of course, we're talking from a very, very Eurocentric, well, not even Eurocentric, Western UK yeah. perspective. And that's yeah, a place... And white of, and privileged. And white and privileged. And so we are not seeing perimenopause and menopause in the same way that many other women from other cultures and other countries do, which is a kind of superpower. Mm. And we have so much to learn from other countries, other cultures, and how they revere older women and see it as a really positive change. And of course, liberating in certain countries because you're free of having to think about childbirth. So we're thinking in a very kind of insular way, maybe. But I don't agree that it's estrogen deficiency. I think the word deficiency is problematic. Very. Yeah. Yeah, because it's implying that it's a thing you need to rectify. Yeah. Having said that, conversely, I feel estrogen deficient. So I can see both sides of that argument. Do you? Yeah, well, I don't That's now because I've got a massive HRT patch on my abdomen. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. But, uh, you know, whether psychologically and emotionally I will get over that, and then feel less deficient and able to live in a different way and post change. I think the word change is good, actually. Yeah. I think reclaiming that word rather than deficient is a much better yeah. description because we are changing as much as it's difficult to go through. It's really positive, ultimately, I think. I think one of the things that really struck me is that, you know, like you say, it's change and it's a change that, you know, it's inevitable and it's like puberty, but. At 45, 50, 55, with all the responsibility and shit that goes with being 50, not 15. But when you're 15, ideally, you're well-informed, you're helped through it. You're also Gen Z, so you're not taking any shit. And at 50, you're just, like, stuck in the corner. I mean, it's like, if only it was treated the same way as puberty. But, I mean, I guess with puberty, it's like puberty is, like, the beginning. And at the moment, menopause is the end. Yeah, I think in France they call it the second adolescence, which I absolutely love. Yes. And it does feel like that. It feels turbulent, but also exciting at the same time and liberating, definitely, and reckless in many ways. And those are the bits that aren't really spoken about. We keep coming back to the hot flushes and rage, and it's like, what else is going on here? There's a lot happening with me and all my female friends, an awful lot. I was so jealous when I read about your... Well, I've actually written Menopause Club, which I don't think you do call them, but so jealous when I read about your female friends because when I started having my symptoms at 46... I well I think that was when I began to work out what was going on I messaged lots of friends and they were all like we don't know what you're talking about and I wasn't I wasn't the oldest or anything and so when I read about your friends all going through it and talking about it and whatsapping oh my god I would have killed for a whatsapp group yeah it's all we talk about (laughs) (laughs) but you know we talk about messiness and how we're all messy and then it does feel like a club where you actually not only want to be in that club but you feel totally accepted and seen completely seen Mm. it's the opposite of the invisibility that I was talking about in Sainsbury's I feel so seen by my female friends and they do hopefully by me and that's so important tell me a bit about your friends Oh, they're brilliant. I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. You know, I write a lot about dating and romantic relationships in the book, but actually it's my female friendships that I just think are the most enduring, supportive and probably the most important relationships of my entire life. And I've got friends that I'm lucky enough to have had forever. I'm so jealous. 
Oh, it's just the best thing. And I mean, they're like sisters, really. I haven't got sisters, but I have got sisters. <laughs> I've got a whole army of them. And we squabble and we fall out sometimes, but we are we are family. And to go through a sea change like this and experience life, not only during perimenopause, but during this very turbulent time of pandemic and mm. the fact that we are all in a midlife situation, we're all at this vantage point now where suddenly the entire world has changed and we've all changed at the same time. It feels to me like the pandemic really speaks to midlife because yeah. it yeah it's a time of profound change and no going back and you can kind of from this mountaintop see a perspective future like what do I want from life do I want to move to Edinburgh do I want to start cold water swimming do I want one of those coats where I can just sit and watch tv <laughs> but what exactly do I want from life it's finite and it's very very precious and the perimenopause teaches you that so did the pandemic I think or so does yeah. the pandemic yeah it did in a way I think it made that personal turmoil a bit easier weirdly because kind of everybody was going through a thrown into this weird isolation forced introspection if you like yeah and we're all thinking about mortality in a very different way yeah whatever age we are now we're all at at midpoint so everybody's midlife and everybody's thinking about death and life and how to live it and how things can turn on a dime and one minute the world can look a certain way and the next minute it can be totally different and so the clash of those two things for me has been a real gift you're very positive about it is that like a today thing or is that like a this is where you're at now with it I think I'm at this now I think it's taken me writing the book to really think to really understand and unpick and it's been quite cathartic and therapeutic for me to write my way into an understanding of what this means for me and it is completely individual but I am quite excited about the next bit and I do feel like walking around with my eyes wide open to much more what it means to be me what it means to be a woman what it means to be living during this time of of great suffering and what this thing is this life and yeah so I I feel really positive I'm in a very happy place and that that has taken me a good couple of years to get to of a lot of hard work a lot of therapy a lot of HRT getting that right but mainly a lot of introspection and listening to a lot of podcasts like yours which has been really helpful (laughs) you and Oprah Sam (laughs) saved my life (laughs) well that's I'm literally not gonna be able to get my head out the door (laughs) tell me a bit about the therapy because as regular listeners know I also had decided to have therapy although decided isn't really the right word it was almost like an imperative for Mm. me at that point but tell me about that because you also like me were not really tolerant of therapy culture before you had it Mm. so what led to it what made you do it so uh, I felt like I was having a spectacular breakdown and I'm a single parent of teenagers and I've got all that going on and I thought I am going to end up hospitalized I felt that unwell I wasn't sleeping at all for me that was the worst bit actually is just no sleep whatsoever and so everything was sort of out of focus and I strongly suspected that I was incredibly depressed and I went along to this therapist and again like you I was kind of I was a bit suspicious of the therapy culture so I ended up meeting about three or four before I found one that I thought would be a good fit and didn't think about it at the time but she was a much older woman Mm. it's interesting isn't it and so I was looking for an older wiser woman who'd been through this hump subconsciously but I didn't realize at the time and so she she very quickly said to me have you been to the GP where are you with your periods and my periods are still regular I still get periods yeah yeah so I've got a way to go yeah when they're gone you'll be happy yeah <laughs> yeah but I I said I'm getting regular periods didn't think anything so they weren't the biblical pre-menopause they, was, they were very very heavy point. they were getting heavy oh, heavier biblical bleeding yeah which again I just thought it would creep away periods must just creep away and then you're left with nothing instead it was like a flood yeah it's like it's literally like that scene in Carrie isn't it yeah it, it, it is and it's I know people think you're exaggerating but the number of people, and I'm definitely one of them, who have bled through over car seats, yeah. tube seats, you know, it's just like... And that's not because you left it six hours, it's because nothing can last more than an hour. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think there's something more more than physical going on there. It's it's an explosion yeah. of something internal. It is biblical. It's You're just really thinking, wow, I'm just going to bleed all over the place. Yeah. But yeah, so she very quickly said, I think this could be hormonal. And I think you should go to your GP and carry on talking to me 
me if you want to. And so I was very suspicious of that. I went along to my GP and so the GP she said... She basically said she could be menopause. Yeah, she did. And were you were like, what the fuck? Well, I just thought she was wrong. I thought, there's no way. I'm 42. I mean, I've got at least 10 years. I'm a nurse. I know my own body and I'm still getting periods. And I went along to the GP who who also agreed. I was very, very lucky. Very lucky. And I had a GP who immediately said, well, we can do a blood test because you're under 45. But even if it doesn't show anything, I think we should try HRT and see if it makes you feel better. Yeah. And I think there's probably like thousands of women listening to this now going, that's not fair. I know. (laughs) I know. I was so, so lucky. So I think it was a combination of those things that really... It shouldn't uh, be luck, though, should it? It shouldn't be luck. It shouldn't be luck. I think it is changing, thanks to things like this podcast. And But obviously we've got such a way to go for so many people. But the therapy, yeah, the therapy was absolutely brilliant. And again, it's such a place of privilege to be able to go and get therapy, isn't it? It's just amazing mm, and to be privilege. Able to pay for it, yeah. yeah, and I couldn't really afford it. I, I, but I couldn't afford not to, to be honest. Mm, it was at that point. Exactly the same, yeah. yeah. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford to not. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier unresolved trauma, and I definitely had an unresolved trauma that I had no plan of resolving, actually, at that point. So was that the same for you? Did you get to a place where you were like, I've just got to deal with this, or I'm not going to be able to do the putting myself back together with the benefit of hindsight? Yeah, I think with the benefit of hindsight, I think that we, we all just carry so much trauma, all of us. And multiple traumas, many, often, and really serious traumas like you went through. And, you know, I think you can leave the worm at the bottom of the tequila bottle, but eventually you've got to get to the worm. You've got to get to the worm. And so the only way to do that is a very painful process of digging it up. But unless you do, you're, you're never fully whole, I don't think. And, and, and so for me, it was acknowledging that women carry trauma including me and you know going through that process of not necessarily trying to deal with it but just acknowledge it and just say okay this is you know perhaps part of why I'm having such a terrible time going through a perimenopause might not be Mm. but it's another thing to talk about and be open about and yeah it was interesting what you were saying about Gen Z and I just hope I hope that things change because of Gen Z and isn't Alpha, the next generation. Oh, I mean, God, gosh. must be, must have gone the Alpha, full lap. Alpha, we've gone yeah. the full lap, but people are talking very openly, even compared to us, and I think that's only got to be a good thing because. For example, my mum says she never experienced any symptoms of the menopause. And I'm really suspicious of that. Mm. I'm very suspicious of that. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't, but maybe she's just not able to talk about it. Maybe she wasn't allowed to experience them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, maybe that wasn't an option for our mums or our mum's mums. My mum said to me, we just got on with it. And that's the thing that came up again and again when I was researching the book. We just got on with it. Mm. And I think that... You know, maybe we're lucky in that we don't have to just get on with it. Yeah, it it is interesting, isn't it? Because one of the chapters is called Make the Fucking Most of It. Because I met a woman who was dying. She was in her 50s. And a piece of advice that she gave me was make the fucking most of it because you just don't know what's happened because essentially even going through this awful time, and maybe that's why I'm in a really happy, good place, is because the alternative than going through the perimenopause and the perimenopause is death. Yes, 
How yes. lucky we are. Yes. How exactly. lucky we are to be here and how lucky we are to bleed in biblical ways and unravel our quilts and get to the threads and look at the worm and face our traumas and how lucky that is to be able to get the chance to grow mm. psychologically and emotionally. And it's a privilege that not every woman has. And I think I became acutely aware of that, not just writing the book, but obviously during the pandemic as well. Mm. It feels yeah, like so many people, so many people are, are less lucky than than we are to just be sitting here and, and chatting. And I think that that realization was really helpful in terms of my overall happiness as well. Isn't there? There's a sense that you know, if you're a woman predominantly, you're almost like discouraged from aging. That aging is frowned upon. So you either have to like pretend that you aren't, or go away and do it quietly somewhere. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? I mean, this whole anti-aging, what the hell is that? Anti-aging, pro-aging, pro-getting older, pro-getting wiser, my goodness. And I just think, yeah, we are such an ageist society. Not only does this time of our life make us realise that, but again, the pandemic made us realise that. The first people who were written off were those older people in care homes. Literally written off. It was about ageism. Yeah, and written off now because, I mean, I've come down from Scotland where we still have masks and some restrictions. And in London, it's like everybody in London thinks they're in some covid-free bubble no mask no nothing but what about the people who've had to shelter and quarantine the whole time are we just saying we don't really care about your lives Mm. because now everybody who can is going back to normal and the rest of you is that what we're saying i don't know it's very confusing isn't it we live in two parallel worlds and you can't see the other world until you enter it so most people who are living in the kingdom of the well and the kingdom of the young can't imagine and i was that can't imagine the kingdom of the old and the kingdom of the sick which is what will happen to all of us either one or the other or both Mm. most likely both it's like we don't want to live there so we're just going to pretend it's not going to happen absolutely absolutely and there is a protective factor in that which is probably necessary in Mm. order that people live their lives and make mistakes and be young and be happy and free and all those things but it is a great divide that has only become greater because of the pandemic, I think. And there is a selfishness to not understanding that there is another parallel world out there that is directly affected by how we, how we live our lives, all of us. Do you think that to any extent that applies to the menopause? Because one of the reasons I wanted to write The Shift and start the podcast is that I was like, I don't want this to happen to younger women. I don't want younger women to be blindsided by this absolute shitty experience and that forearmed is forewarned. But I have had messages from people on social media, younger women, saying can you just fucking stop Mm, yeah (laughs) because i'm now i'm scared yeah like well no you don't need to be scared you just need to know what it is if it happens but it did make me wonder actually has all along there been people talking about menopause we just have been going la 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 i'm not listening until it hits us i suspect so i suspect that is the case because it's not a new conversation necessarily it's just that once we're in the conversation we like to say oh it's a new conversation conversation. (laughs) sorry now it's relevant to me (laughs) it's not a new conversation women have always been talking about these things they've just been talking in different ways and listening in different ways and language has evolved and become much more direct and a bit heavy hitting sometimes but it's a bit like childbirth i remember giving birth to my daughter was considered a natural birth it was horrific and it was just horrific. I felt like I had been run over by a truck. And what surprised me was that nobody had warned me that that was how it would feel. But I see the point of the person that emailed you because I think had someone warned me, look, it will feel like a truck is going to run over your body slowly. And that's <laughs> And then reverse. And then reverse. <laughs> but I think if I had been told that, I would have been terrified. So I do understand... However, I think information can only be a good thing. And I I agree with you that forewarned is forearmed as well. It's like there's a point in the book where you're talking about that what you don't know won't hurt you thing, Mm. which has been handed down to us. And it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, childbirth does hurt people. Perimenopause does hurt 
people. So mm. yeah, and I, I think that the other reason it's very very important for us all to be talking about it is because not only is it a massive shock to women, but to men, oh, yeah. to the men of these women who are suddenly. I mean, the divorce rate is way upticked with the suicide rate, of course, at the age that you're going through perimenopause, and it's like no one has linked the dots. Yeah. When I was doing the audiobook of The Shift, the producer was a guy a little bit older than me, late 50s, and he, he said to me afterwards, I don't think I'd have been divorced if I'd read this book. Wow. But the flip side of that is like when you talked earlier about recklessness, for some women there is almost a sense of just putting a bomb under your life. Mm. And I think like a lot of marriages break down because the men don't know what's going on, but also that a lot of them break down because the women which you put them, they're just like, fuck it. Mm. Fuck it, what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah, absolutely. And there's power in the fuck it, isn't there? Yeah, that's the thing. (laughs) And sometimes, you know, you do need a relationship bomb or a bomb in your life to kind of set things in a completely different way. But it's interesting, you're talking about that kind of, I suppose, silence that's been passed down through the generations or different ways of talking, different ways of using language. I think there's almost a club outside my female friendship club, which is very interesting to me because at the same time as I'm becoming invisible to men, Mm. I'm becoming visible to older women. And so it's a bit like, you know, if you're pregnant or, for example, my my friend who had cancer said that as soon as she had cancer, she saw cancer everywhere, Mm. everywhere. But she hadn't seen it before. I will be in a restaurant or cafe or walking down the street and... A much, much older woman will just give me a glance. And there's an expression of something between us, and I'm not quite sure what it is yet, but it's mischief. Yes. It's mischief, yeah. and I love it. I'm, I'm in a new club. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one that yeah. I didn't know existed. And it's better than the club where men are looking at you in a sleazy way. It's much better. Way better than that club. It's great. Yeah. Do you feel like that now? Because at the beginning of the book, I definitely got a sense that you were a bit like, oh, I don't know whether I like this not being looked at. Yeah. Especially not when you're in the freezer, obviously. Yeah. I felt the loss of it. I felt the power of the change of that and thought initially that it was a very negative thing to be invisible. But of course, it's a superpower. (laughs) It's a superpower and I don't miss it at all. And it's surprising now. You know, you get the occasional glance, whereas it used to be sort of constant ogling yeah and that kind of shocks me and I go oh I remember (laughs) that's kind of a weird thing I'm really glad to be to be moving out of that and free of it and in the club where much much older women are giving me mischievous sneaky looks I like that club more You mentioned earlier about the kind of the youth obsession of society. And there's a moment I really laughed out loud. You were like, oh, woe is me. I'm single in midlife and I've got grey pubic hair. Mm. Or maybe a grey pubic hair or two, as opposed to whole. Mine didn't go whole, did yours? No. Just the odd flash of... Yeah, there's still, there's still time. But, you know, yeah, there is I mean, still that, time, that, yeah. that, I'll, ch- I'll check back in. Check back in, <laughs> let me know. But, yeah, that I think I wanted to just sum up that idea that, you know, I can be an academic, professional, intellectual, hopefully, successful writer, but I can also absolutely freak out about the fact that I've got three grey hairs. I mean, I went for a full Hollywood on discovering the three grey hairs. <laughs> that was such an interesting reaction. It was it's a like, ch- it's ridiculous. It was a ridiculous reaction. And again, I was just in this beautician's beauty parlour. I don't know, waxing parlour. I don't know what you call them. But just the moment of, again, I'll get back to the shame and humiliation of realising, what am I doing? On the one hand, I'm kind of just, you know, a fairly normal becoming middle-aged woman. And on the other hand, I found myself here having a full Hollywood. What what on earth am I thinking? Talking of pain. I mean, (laughs) Talking of pain. But yeah, I just think that it's okay to be absurd and ridiculous and messy as well as deep in thought and philosophical about things as well. You can be all the things. That's okay. I mean, it is such a shock, isn't it? The physical changes, even if you're expecting them. It's such a shock. Mm. And I feel like I'm whatever now. I don't care. But still, sometimes you accidentally look in the mirror. And I don't really want to live a life where I don't want to look in the mirror and you're kind of like oh god where did that happen who is that you know but that's that's okay that's normal to feel like that I think hope yeah my nan's 95 I think now I need to get that right but she says she looks in the mirror and, and she's shocked every time because she still Aww. expects to see her 18 year old self Aww. and that I think is how it is for everyone yeah. she's still shocked she's 95 she goes oh gosh I'm old <laughs> but you know, she's beautiful. She's absolutely beautiful inside and out. So it's interesting. Yeah, you wrote a beautiful thing about Botox, about not having Botox. 
and about the kind of lines in their face. Can you tell us a bit about your reason for not wanting to have Botox? Not that you need to have a reason, but, you know, people do, people don't. People do, and again, I think it's such an individual choice, and I'm, I'm, I'm not for the haters, you know? Do what you want to do. Everyone should just do what they want to do. Um, but for me, I think because I've spent my career and my life so up close and touching and smelling and tasting death right in front of me, you know, I, I do see lines and wrinkles, and my hands particularly. I write a bit about my hands because my hands are... Show me your hands. I mean, they're not too bad today. I've had cream on. But they're like elephant skin. (laughs) You're just going to have to take my word for it. They're not. Because, yeah, you said that you're rude friends, saying your hands are older than you. Oh, no, she's not rude. She's lovely. (laughs) She's lovely, but she, um, yeah, she was, like, trying to get me to wear hand gloves at night with cream on it. But I I think that I can appreciate in other people very much a face that looks like it's seen things and lived. And they're the most beautiful faces to me and the most beautiful hands to me are those kind of hard-working hands that you think, what have those hands done? And, and so I have to practice what I preach with myself and I don't want to be younger or look younger at all. I really don't. I think that I've got a relationship with that side of things that is probably informed by nursing mm. and being around people that, that have just seen a lot. I think there's, there's real wisdom in that and I like the wisdom side of it. Seeing wisdom on someone's face or in their eyes is a really, I suppose, powerful thing for me to aspire to one day hopefully (laughs) get a bit of wisdom is what I'd like to do now definitely tell me a bit about because you found yourself single I mean I said you found yourself such a weird phrase and it's like you just woke up one morning and there you were but you were out of a long-term relationship a single mum with two kids at this stage of your life what was it like going back into the kind of the mere thought of it is just like terrifies me the idea of having to like get naked in front of a complete stranger what was the whole dating thing like when you were going through all of this as well what was it like being back out there it was a, a form of hell it was absolutely horrendous. Again, I had a terrible time, and I'm very lucky now. I've been in a very stable, loving relationship for over a year, so that's all great. Yeah, I can't say anything because I don't want to spoil the book. But yeah, I was so like, no, I'm a in a great place now. <laughs> the fact that it was online dating just didn't really suit me, and I suppose because I was God, does it suit anybody? I think you know, people. I've got friends who are married; they've met people online, so it does yeah, work. Actually, I Sometimes do know I, people who've met people online. I think online. people can meet online. That's how lots of people meet now. But if you're someone like me, who is at a point where you're absolutely struggling with your identity and you don't know who you are, and you can just blow in the wind, depending on who's blowing you in which direction, then that's yeah. a very dangerous time to be meeting anyone retrospectively. Yeah. Well, it's like you describe it as a shark tank, and that kind of does feel like I completely get that. And I feel like being in that state, it's almost like the sharks are going to smell that. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, I was completely vulnerable without knowing I was vulnerable. You don't see yourself as vulnerable as a woman in her 40s. It's kind of, but I really was. And then putting yourself out there to meet strangers. And I did have some really lovely experiences. I have to say, I met some really good people, but they were few and far between. I clocked up an array of horror stories before I thought, I've got to get out of this shark tank. It's not doing me any favours at all. But I think that was much more about me than people I was meeting because like you said I was attracting narcissists <laughs> and I was attracting people who could smell vulnerability a mile off almost and back like being a teenage girl it was exactly like being a teenage girl it was exactly like that and it was interesting to go through but I think probably quite damaging and again I was very lucky to be able to see what was happening with my female friends around me who were sort of saying abort, abort yeah. <laughs> this guy's a psychopath because um, I was like oh he's so nice <laughs> nope uh, so yeah I had that kind of protective group of friends around me who were really helpful at letting me see things that I couldn't quite see for whatever reason uh, talking of puberty you were in perimenopause at the point your daughter must have been going through puberty how was that well she kind of dealt with it a lot better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of sophisticated um it's interesting because i think girls now go through puberty a decade younger than we think they're going to so they're sort of nine and ten rather than 16 <laughs> so she'd almost got over the hump of puberty but of course living through pandemic and mental health and being a young woman and all those things clashed with my perimenopause and actually her and my son didn't really get it, still don't really want to talk about it, even though I like, talk about my perimenopause. And they are sick of me talking about my perimenopause. And, but I want them to know 
all of me and not in slices. The good, the bad, the ugly, the fact that I'm imperfect and that's okay. So that they can bring their good, bad, ugly and imperfect selves too because I want to know them fully as well. And I don't think they're quite there yet but I'm certainly there and, and they have their hands over their ears most of the time when we're discussing perimenopause like, or whatever don't, hear yeah. about this. <laughs> don't tell me anymore I don't need to hear it yeah again I think their their understanding of perimenopause was you you have hot flushes at the beginning of the journey yeah. and now they see it's much more than that mum will be hot and angry and that's it yeah yeah I mean I remember a woman getting in touch with me quite early on in the shift and she said that you know the thing is it's all very well but what if you live with you know a man and teenage children who just basically take the piss out of you what am I supposed to do then and I couldn't answer what would you say to her oh gosh that's a really difficult one I can only assume that if people are taking a piss or teasing that they don't understand how deeply it's affecting you so I guess everything everything in the world comes down to communication doesn't it everything starts and ends with how we communicate with each other so I would I'd probably sit sit down and have a really open honest cryy discussion and let your feelings be really apparent and don't hold any emotions in I mean I think that's good advice but I'm guessing that they're not going to respond to that I would then sell up and uh, you know <laughs> move somewhere abroad <laughs> and live on my own Kick in an ashram yeah. I'd say you know I've tried the communication bit. I've tried crying. You're still taking the piss. So enjoy Sainsbury's. (laughs) You plan the meals for the next 20 years. (laughs) Yeah, enjoy your life. I'm off to live in an ashram somewhere far away. But yeah, I think it is a really serious issue that it sounds to me like they really don't get the seriousness and understand how difficult it is. But yeah. It's a hard one, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of media representation as well, isn't it? I mean, it's getting a little bit better now, but you don't see many women over 40. Or if you do, they're Judy Dench or Helen Mirren or Nicole Kidman. And if there is a female character going through the menopause on TV, she's puffy, sweaty and angry. Mm. Literally, the three dwarfs that go around with you the whole time. So it's hardly surprising if that's what you see, that that's what you, you know reflect but if you're a man or a teenage boy or a teenage girl that that's what you reflect back on your perimenopausal mum I suppose yeah blame the media definitely always blame the media (laughs) (laughs) I just want to go back to the point you were making about wisdom because it just feels like such a nice uplifting point to kind of end on there's a lovely anecdote towards the end of the book about wise women and wanting to be a woman who flies in colour can you tell us that yeah I think uh, other cultures my children's dad is Nigerian and Nigerian women have a very different approach to menopause and I was doing a book tour in Nigeria and I was in a place called Abe Okuta which we went out to visit libraries and one of the other writers that I was working with we'd gone out to see lots of different children and talk to them and find out about books and there were kind of thousands of children just sitting and basically being really well behaved which surprised me so much because yes. I just thought wow I don't think this would happen in the UK but um one of the the other writers I was working with said that she'd asked the children why do you read books why are books important and a few of the boys had stood up and said oh I want to study engineering or medicine or science and this little girl stood up and she said I want to be wiser I think she said I want to be like my grandmother or something like that and she said I I read because I want to fly in colour and I just thought it was so beautiful and lovely yeah it's lovely isn't it and and getting older and wiser and books Mm -hmm. (laughs) are about learning to fly in colour that stayed with me forever really yeah I really love the idea of that it just feels like so hopeful and so much about what we gain Mm. yeah it's gaining not losing and it's coming to terms with that is is the process okay questions I always ask what's your emotional age 14. Sad to say, but true. (laughs) (laughs) Why 14? I've just never lost that very cheeky sense of humour. And so I will find things absolutely hilarious that my my son, who's similar age, will find hilarious. And people kind of look at us Mm. like, why are you both laughing at that stupid joke? But I think I'm kind of stuck there, definitely. Give me a book recommendation. So I read a book recently called No Cure for Being Human by Kate Bowler, who I mention in the book. And it had such a big effect on me. She is a professor at Duke University in America. And she she's very funny. She laughs a lot about the absurd. But in this book, she talks about the fact that she got a grade four, stage four colon cancer diagnosis at the age of 35. And it was about making sense of what that meant for her life. And I think the book definitely for me sums up that this 
now is a privilege and what I'm going through and, and hopefully will carry on going through in terms of perimenopause and menopause is just such an amazing space to be in and it's not a sort of hard-hitting or heavy-handed book she talks a lot about absurd things and funny things for example she got her diagnosis the day after she just published a book called Blessed and she found that <laughs> oh, the most no. ironic thing ever <laughs> but yeah she is an incredible writer and she has something really important to say which is the perfect combination. I'm going to check that out. What advice would you give younger women? That nobody's doing it any better than you are. That we're all a big old mess. And I'd give that advice to myself as well. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, in fact, that is like one of those like embarrassing posters. You want, almost want to put it on your wall to remind yourself. Yeah. Who's your old bird role model? So it's probably my grandmother, who is that kind of mischievous, cheeky, sneaky person. She's 95 now. She still has her hair done every week. Every time I see her, she says, fucking Boris Johnson. Oh. <laughs> she's massively political. And she's enormously wise. And so I think... She's probably, and I'm very lucky to have lots of older women role models in my family, but she's probably the, the top one. She sounds great. Do you know what happened with her menopause? Again, she says that she didn't have any symptoms at all and then she starts reeling loads of symptoms <laughs> out. So <laughs> she perhaps didn't have a language for it. How old was she? Do you know? 39. Because on my 40th ah. birthday, she phoned me up and said, happy birthday, by the way, I went through the menopause when I was your age. And then she started singing happy birthday. And I was still oh, on the other end of the phone. <laughs> What? Yeah, she was 39. She thought she was pregnant. And they said, no, you're going through the change. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. And you ignored that, presumably. Totally, because how yeah, could it I happen to me? Yeah, I would have done too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your superpower? I think radical acceptance is my superpower of myself now, <laughs> which has taken a lot of work, mm. but always of others. Just radically accepting people as they are. I think that's a particular superpower. That's a big superpower. Yeah. And lastly, how many fucks do you give? I'd love to say zero. I'd love to say zero. Um, I'm too neurotic, anxious and a bit narcissistic to say zero. So I'm going to say five. (laughs) (laughs) I give five fucks, but I hope, I really hope, with lots of work, that eventually I'll be able to give zero. Check in in ten years, Sam. Yeah, I will too. You'll be back. (laughs) I'll be back. Thank you, Christy. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. You can hear a new episode of The Shift each Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear please do rate, review and follow because it really does help other people find us. And if you'd like to support The Shift further, please consider becoming a member of our community. Find out more at steady.media forward slash shift. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.